irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. And welcome to All Things Therapy. I am your host, Lisa Tahir. It is so nice to be back in the studio in Los Angeles. Hello to those of you who can see me on Facebook Live. You can catch the live version of this podcast by going to the LA Talk Radio Facebook page. I will be posting it to my social media later on today. I am an intuitive psychotherapist, a licensed clinical social worker, a Reiki healing practitioner, and I would like to be your provider of emotional support and well-being. So reach out to me to schedule sessions through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy. I have just spent the last couple of months marinating in the southern heat in the city of New Orleans, visiting family and friends and, and just really loving everything it is to be Southern, and I am delighted to be back in Los Angeles. This weather is perfect, the mountains, the beach, the palm trees. I am so grateful to have both places to live and work and love in, and I am here to be of service to you. Please reach out to be a guest, to let me know what you think about this podcast. I encourage you and invite you to keep subscribing and sharing this show on all the platforms where you can find podcasts, including iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and following me on social media, commenting questions you want me to bring up, guests you'd like me to interview, NOLA Therapy on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and please join my email list by going to my website, NOLA therapy.com. And if you like this podcast and want to support my work, check out my platform on Patreon and the crowdfunding campaign I have with them by going to patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Okay, so my show is about changing consciousness one conversation at a time. And in moments, we're going to be with author Jane Benz. She wrote this book that I'm holding up. It's her memoir titled Broken Whole, as in W-H-O-L-E, and it's a deeply personal look into the human heart and our intimate relationships. Jane is very transparent about her relationships, including the marriage she had with her husband, his passing from cancer, the loss of her father right before that, and the subsequent relationships she had afterwards as a single mother raising a son. Jane is also an intuitive She holds an MFA in prose and has been awarded the Jack Kerouac Award for prose. She teaches English composition at Arapahoe Community College in Littleton, Colorado, and is coming to us live today from Denver. Welcome, Jane. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm happy to have you on today to talk about your memoir. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, and I love your publisher, She Writes Press. I have had the pleasure of interviewing so many wonderful authors that have published with She Writes Press. Yes, they are a wonderful publisher. I can't 
say enough about them. They really advocate for women and their writing and creative spirits, and um, they're a true collaborator in this process of publishing and getting our our words out there, our books, and our ideas. I agree. So I'd like for you to lead us into this memoir that you wrote, if I understand correctly, between the years of 2001 and 2014. Is that accurate? Yes, it's, although it's a little fuzzy for me. I can't exactly remember when I began, but the divorce was in 2001, and I began writing this series of essays, which comprised the book, in you know, roughly 2001, 2002. So, but yes, I was finished with it by 2014. Okay. So uh, as a therapist, I am curious about how this book helped you to heal and if that was one of the roles that writing has served you. Yes, absolutely. I have um, been a writer for a very long time and it was um, and has continued to be an outlet for me to transform myself and move from one way of thinking to another. And um, in the beginning, the series of essays, I, you know, I was trying to present a map to myself out of um, where I was. And at the beginning of the divorce, even though that was something that I wanted, I, I found myself floundering as the book um, reveals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and in many amusing and kind of dramatic situations with various men. But yes, uh, through each of them in the writing, it did, um, I guess, unfold myself to me, and it revealed um, a longing for a different way of being and a recognition that I was stuck in some places, and I, in order to get to the other side of it, I needed to make some changes in the writing. It was like having a conversation with myself um, about where I needed to go. And, Jane, leaving a marriage is such an important decision and, and one that is fraught with a mixture of emotions. Typically, it's what I see in my work. And you were also the mother of Shane, your son, who was young at the time. And so mm-hmm. certainly a big decision that you made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my sister, who had been through a divorce already, um, she and I were in conversation at the time that I was considering this. I, of course, I had been back and forth Uh, Many times, my husband and I had been in counseling Mm -hmm. off and on for many, many years, you know, approximately probably 10 different approaches and interventions with therapy and counseling, both individually and as a couple. And But I guess what influenced me more than anything was my sister saying, well, do it when Shane is young. Mm -hmm. Don't wait. And... Um, because the younger he is, the more easily he'll get used to the rhythm of going back and forth between households. So, yes. um, and I felt as though I was ready anyway. I was exhausted and really believed that uh, we were not going to progress in a way that was going to feel like 
um, a transformation or a growth for me. Um, it, it, it just was not enough. You know? Well, and one of the common themes that I recall in, in reading your memoir has to do with not feeling seen, not feeling heard. And I think everyone listening can relate to a time in their lives when when they haven't felt seen or heard. I know I certainly can. And, and the frustration and the desperation even around when you love someone that you just want to be seen, you want to be heard, that that validation, that shared experience of, of who we are. And that was a, a core theme in your book around how you navigated and finally learned to see and love yourself more deeply by through all the relationships that you had coming to the most important one, which is with yourself. Exactly. Yes. So how do you um, want to take us there? How, how do you want to share with our listeners about your life experience and what you have to offer and, and, and way of this very transparent story about your life? Well, I, I believe that, um, you know, I've always held myself accountable you know, I've made, hey, I, maybe you can call them mistakes or learning from experiences. You know, I'm, yes, as you've said, I'm very transparent in the book. And so I I don't let myself off the hook. I, <laughs> um, so I think that's just a really critical thing is that um, anyone who wants to make a change really has to look at themselves and be willing to look at that and and have a sense of humor about it as well. I mean, we are yeah. human and um you know what I felt and discovered about myself is that I I just kept returning to the same space where I was meeting people who would continuously remind me or make me feel as though I was not heard and this this echoed, you know, way back in time from when I was very young and, you know, in a family environment where that was the norm. And, um, you know, my siblings and I have grown up coping with this situation in various ways. And I wrote a memoir. And yes. so, but that was one of the, the more critical things that um, I discovered and that I needed to look at about myself. And if I were, were to really alter and move in a different direction, I needed to um, pay attention to that, acknowledge the pain and the grief over not being heard in that that home, that origin of relationship, and, and start making a list, if you will, of the things I wanted and, and what I needed to do behaviorally mm-hmm. to attract that people and to not be afraid of those who are truly authentically interested in me. Um, you know, the, the flip side of not being heard and feeling alienated is that some part of you becomes accustomed to that and mm-hmm. you live your life accordingly. <laughs> yes. So um, recognizing that, okay, I'm contributing as well, you know, at keeping people at bay or out or attracting, continuously attracting people who are not capable of actual intimacy or an authenticity about who I am and who they are. 
Yes, I'm really feeling you as you're talking, Jane. And I jotted down a, a note moments ago when you were speaking about mistakes. And, and I think that we we believe that we have made a mistake, and I'm doing air quotes right now, uh, is when we feel pain, is when something doesn't go well. Someone becomes angry with us. It doesn't work out. There's a, an upheaval. We feel like we've made a mistake often versus we consider ourselves to have a success when something feels good, when it goes smoothly, when we're praised, when we're approved of. And and that's so externally defined. And, and I don't think a mistake is necessarily what I just said that it is. I think that when we feel pain, when something isn't working out, it, it's a deeper call to, to look more closely at what is going on. And sometimes it's a success to disrupt a relationship. It's a success to set limits and say no and to walk away in some points or take some space like you did in, in some of the other relationships you had to go gain some clarity. And and so I think that it's really relative and it's important to redefine what, what we think a mistake is, that our mistakes can lead us to our happiness by inquiring, why am I feeling this pain and what does this reveal to me? And I think you dealt with that a lot in, in your memoir. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And your work also, as we were just talking even, I don't know if you're familiar with Catherine Woodward Thomas's work. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Calling in the One and of Conscious Uncoupling. She has written extensively about what you're talking about, the who we are, that are the consciousness that we bring to intimacy and to our relationships and really right. clustering, really organizing around the strongest parts of ourselves instead of changing to organize around the weakest part of others. And that statement is standing out to me in, in recent times, navigating relationships and, and such, both, both intimate and personal, friendship-wise, and our vibration and, and who we are and what we desire and want and really staying true to our authenticity, as you shared, and not organizing around the weaker parts of others to please, to, to keep things going on at the status quo. And so just as I'm saying these things, I'm curious what's coming up for you and, and what you wrote in your book and your own life experiences. Right. Yeah. It's a... Uh encapsulates it very well, you know, organizing your relationships around the re- weaker part of others. You know, there's that culturally, I think there's um, still a psychology with women and men in particular, you know, primarily the book is about heterosexual relationships and that this tendency for women to overcompensate. I mean, we're gradually lifting ourselves out of this and this codependency that gets structured and um, validated in society still, you know, the, the hidden aspects of uh, male privilege and females uh, compensating and accommodating that. So, um, yeah, it, it takes a lot to move through that both individually but it also takes you know a a group think you know being supported by friends and um and being willing to share your story with others you know that's uh, one of the things that motivated me to um stay with this this book this collection of essays was you know telling the stories 
orally, verbally to my mm-hmm. friends. You know, they were cheering me on and saying, you've got to write a book. You know, this has to be something, a collection, um, yeah. more than just yours, because yeah. it has value to others. And so there's the power of speaking your truth and telling your stories. And I want to let our listeners know that you're also a blogger and at your website, which is Jane Benz, B-I-N-N-S, writes.com. I really enjoyed reading your blog where you, the the article where you write about online dating and what profile pictures, how they can be interpreted. <laughs> I found it to be really refreshing and helpful. And I'm curious, what kind of feedback have you gotten from your memoir and to your, to your blog? Um. To the blog, I've gotten chuckles and amusement and uh, gratitude. And uh, about the memoir, um, friends who've contacted me um, who said they couldn't put it down, and they they read it in two or three days. Uh, they just wanted to keep reading and find out what happened next. Um, so it, it's been positive and. Uh, validating and reassuring that uh, exposing myself as much as I did and have in the book uh, has paid off. It's rewarding. It's an interesting dynamic to walk around with that knowing that Mm. uh, I have this self that (laughs) accomplished this. I achieved this this big thing of writing about my life. Was it scary for you to put yourself out out here like this in your book? It took Did you have uh, many moments of reflection and months of... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Oh dear! And <laughs> yeah, I mean, you put it all and out it, there: your sex life, everything. Like yes, yes, and um, but then you know, fortunately, from the time you sign a book contract to the the moment of publication, I mean, it's not instantaneous; it's not overnight. You have time, and so, um, yeah, I have had uh, former colleagues of mine come up to me and say. Oh my, you know, older women who were shocked that I had described in so much detail about (laughs) sex and various things. And then other women, also older, who were like, hooray, thank you. And, you know, we need a book like this. Absolutely. Um, So, but yeah, it's been an interesting transformation for me, you know, especially viewing myself as... uh, primarily an introvert, someone who prefers um, the company of myself or being out in nature on a hike or something, maybe Mm -hmm. with one other friend, and then to have engaged in interviews and readings and in this public face, this (laughs) public persona. Public version of yourself. These very personal things. Yes. 
you know, speaking of how you're saying you enjoy going on hikes and having that that time to yourself, just in your blog, I, I've always questioned on online dating a person that has pictures when it, they've obviously cropped someone out or they're with a group of people and there are several pictures like that. You don't even know exactly who the person is. And that's always honestly annoyed me. And online dating is not my preferred method. I like meeting someone organically and through a friend right. or out and about. Yet I've, I've had my fair share of online dating experiences. And I had even shared with a woman that I met online. I date women about, you know, you have all these pictures with, with other people. I'm just curious about that. And she kind of took a bit of offense. And and so I really, it was refreshing to read in your blog about what some of those indicators mean. Like if a person's shown every picture is he or she outdoors, kayaking, mountain climbing, you can pretty much assume that's what their life revolves around, especially if they support it with written narrative about that right. versus if they right. show themselves exclusively in bars or partying or if they show a mix. So I thought it was really cool that you address those things that I had had heightened awareness around, but, you know, not the formulated thoughts like like you put out in your blog. And it's just bugged me when people obviously crop someone out. It's like, man, go go have someone take a picture of you. That's right. And not in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> not in the bathroom. I do not. Yes, I totally OK. Agree. I know that's a room with a mirror. However, you know, <laughs> get the neighbor. Stop any somebody in the grocery store. Say, hey, take a picture of me. You know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. I like when I've seen a mix of someone, say, looking really dressed up versus looking very casual, like seeing them in different aspects of their lives to get like more of a whole image of what their life is about. I've always liked those profiles more than right. than others. Yes. Well, it shows a balance then. And then, you know, I mean, looking at some of these pictures, it's like, okay, where do I insert myself? I mean, that's mm. the question, right? That's the space that's opening up in your mind about whether or not you want to invite this person into your life. Mm-hmm. Where do I, do I see myself on that hike or in that kayak or... Um, in the bar, you know, or is this person too crowded and too busy and there's not going to be much time for Mm. that, Uh you know? And I've liked when someone includes a picture of their child. I think it's nice to know when someone does have a child to just be able to consider that initially. Yes, that is, uh, it's interesting. I've spoken with girlfriends (laughs) about that. Um, I have always not done that you know never posted photos of my son i okay. i get very protective about that i mean it it's fine i am going to play a commercial just hang tight and keep tuning in thank you indeed listening is the new reading with audible you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home in your car at the gym anywhere on the go with over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from for you the listener of all things therapy audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out visit audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy now and enjoy 
help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to $100 per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Hey there, welcome back to the show. So back to your book, we were talking about dating and and you feeling protective of your son, which I which I think is awesome and great. And one of the things I liked where you talked in your memoir about really being it honestly, it surprised me hearing that men wanted to meet your son so quickly after dating. That was unexpected. And how you had to set that consistent boundary of no wanting to make sure you had some tread, some traction before introducing Shane to another man. Can you talk to our listeners about that? Because I'm sure people listening are dealing with this right now. Yes. um, For me, it was always a priority that um, my son, that I feel more secure and stable in the relationship. I was always very cognizant of where he was and, you know, what his space or mental, emotional space would be like, you know, he was two when we separated and three when the divorce was final. And, um, you know, there were a lot of periods of development that he was yet to go through. And, uh, you know, just as a a growing human, as all of the (laughs) children do. And um, I wanted to be very careful about that and not jump too quickly. Uh, I knew... (laughs) At various stages, he was forming ideas about relationship and me, and I I know his dad at certain points when he was dating before he remarried um, would have women stay over, and I <laughs> just, oh, I struggled with that and, you yeah. know, felt um, just completely unglued about that situation, but there wasn't anything I could do. And, um, my ex-husband was not a great communicator. He was not, uh, you know, talking to our son necessarily about, you know, who this person is and what's going on and all of that. So, um, (laughs) anyway, I, I felt as though, I I guess I was mother bear about that. Friends of mine have been different about that situation, introducing um, their kids with, um, you know, their new boyfriend's kids and trying to make some Brady Bunch thing happen. I just think it's too much uh, energy to take on to combine all those personalities so quickly when the relationship is still um, new. Absolutely. really think it takes time for people to get to know one another. I mean, like a year or two years or something. And and also see that some people will go ahead and say, well, okay, this is working well enough. Let's just get married. And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, I, I was just always very cautious and more fearful of my son and his perception of what was going on. 
it was clear to me um, from the time he was little, you know, he's very sensitive and perceptive and, you know, he's a young man now and he and I communicate very well mm-hmm. and I attribute that to those boundaries that I was clear about long ago. You know, I have some thoughts about that when we come back from our commercial break in just about a minute, Jane. So if you hang tight, I'll, I'll bring you back on. Okay, great. Awesome. So for those of you listening, ATP Science has been a wonderful sponsor sponsoring this podcast the last month, and they have a product called Gut Right. And I even wondered, why Why is this product important? And I educated myself as to how certain foods that are so commonplace nowadays, with a lot of sugar being in our foods, um, can cause a sense of lethargy, can cause us to feel and be bloated, can cause things like irritable bowel sy- syndrome. And this has to do with the microflora in our gut system, in our digesti- digestive tract. And so ATP Science has brought to light that we need the balance of this microflora in our digestive system so that we can have more of what are called polyphenols, which are like healthy bacteria to reduce inflammation and bloating and feelings of sluggishness and their product. Gut Right has that answer for you. It is vegan. It is family friendly for all ages. And available to you as my listener at a 20% discount along with free shipping if you are one of the first 100 orders. So go check out their product by going to atpscience.com forward slash get gut right and use code ATT, all capitals, ATT for all things therapy. And I just give a shout out to ATP Science for sponsoring this podcast Get your gut right, balance out the microflora in your digestive system with their product. Jane, so yes. hearing you hearing you talk about this and, and the way that you were very conscientious to not expose Shane too soon to, to men that you were in relationship with, it can be really disruptive for kids to get attached as it's kind of intuitive common sense knowledge to get attached to someone and then when you break up, they lose that attachment and connection and can really be disruptive for kids. So that's something that you just did really well. And I wonder if have other people commented on that and talking about your book and just feedback that they've given you? I haven't heard very much feedback about that in, in particular, not from friends. Um, yeah. It, no, that, that issue has not, Sure. Come up. It's been, you know, at the forefront of my mind. Um, mostly what I've heard about are the relationships and just the transparency and the kind of the, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe you wrote that. Um, you know, I, yeah. And there's just a lot of feelings, I think, that come up uh, when people approach me about the book and, you know, they have their own issues and things around sex and relationships and their kids and, you know, their mixed feelings and guilt. And, and I'm hoping that through the book that people will just relax a little bit and say, Hey, you know, it's okay. <laughs> that what's okay. Exactly. To be a little more specific. Um, it's okay to be, you know, tied up in knots about what you're reading in my book or feeling guilty that you didn't do something in a particular way or, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, no holds barred in the book. So, you know. well, I like because I like uh, readers, uh, listeners. I mean, to feel compelled to go out and buy this book. So, can we dive into some of the nitty gritty to make it compelling? Where somebody would want to listen to us right now and be like, "I want to read that." So, c- can you can you share in that transparent way some of your journey, what you've been through, and what listeners might connect with to to get out there and want to read it as well? Well, there's. You know, of course, what we've been talking about is dating and, you know, the the whole journey of getting yourself out there. Um, one of the things that I did and what I think a lot of women do is, you know, get out there and start seeing who's available and um, maybe wanting to get into another relationship or a date or whatnot right after uh, a big relationship has ended, a long term or a marriage or something like that, and and I certainly did that. I I was out there after six weeks of dating. I think that's a common um, tendency or something that people would want to do. You know, you're so used to having somebody around, yeah. and even though it wasn't comfortable or healthy or you know it was agitating a lot or there's conflict there was still the presence of that person or the idea of um, that chasing or it was something. And when that, that person leaves is no longer in your space, then I think there's a a reflexive action to want to reconnect with somebody. And, you know, maybe it's not fully thought out or this is all emotionally based. And so I I believe that that is um, a point of connection and validation that a lot of people, men and women, you know, will do that. They'll go in search of someone. And I, I think my experiences will resonate and say, yep, I've done that. I've been there. And that's what I've heard repeatedly. Um, And the humor about, doing those things and being able to say, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, this happened. And some of it's really funny. Mm -hmm. So it's not all horrible. (laughs) Right. Have any of your partners read this memoir and and talked to you about it, saw themselves in your, in your book and shared? No, no one has come back to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) If they've read it, they know I don't who they are. know yet. <laughs> but what I'm finding with the book is that um, people have bought it, and then maybe it's a little bit before they get into it. So, but then once they pick it up, they're reading it very quickly. You know, they can't put it down. And so I'm, I'm thinking of this, <laughs> my memoir as kind of a sleeper hit. So, okay, yeah. Um, Perhaps that's down the road that I will be hearing from <laughs> some of these men. I'm not sure. Um, and that's okay if I do. I mean, I, I was very careful to change names Keep and whatnot right. so that even though they might recognize themselves, uh, maybe nobody else will. Exactly. So. Well, and, and some of the things that stood out is that your your ex-husband, Matt, died of cancer and your father died months before that. And then there was one relationship you kind of kept going back to over and over throughout 
time. And, and so can you talk about some of those things? Like you were going through a lot. I mean, there was so much emotion. There was loss. There was feeling. At one point in the book, I took a note that you, you were asking yourself, why was I willing to put up with someone who constantly made me feel insecure? Can, can you speak to us on some of these points? Yes. Um, the relationship I kept returning to um, Steve in the book, I also I think that's a very common um, situation for people to find themselves in. Uh, I think it's common to, you know, keep going back to somebody or keep getting something from them that speaks to you and answers a question. And um, he appears throughout the, the memoir and After my father passed away, uh, five months later, my ex-husband died, and then that was the the end of the relationship that I kept reflexively going back to um, Mm -hmm. as well. So, within a roughly a six-month period, I had lost the three main men in my life who um, I had been. And to refer back to our earlier conversation about um, complimenting the the weaker part of people. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Seeking them out, yes. Uh, Three men who represented my habit of, you know, um, nurturing the weaker part of relationships. And um, so that was devastating, really. And... um, you know, talk about clearing the decks. It it really provided me a point of no return. I mean, they're physically the embodiment embodiment of these these people was no longer there, and so it really put the question front and center in my face of, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you can't go back anymore, and yes. um, so. But I think that's where you really started to love yourself more deeply and setting that boundary, uh, taking a stand for love, taking a stand for for being treated in the ways that we all want to be treated, yet often we might have to make a hard decision about a person to to evolve then into feeling seen and heard and loved. Sometimes that path can be really challenging, as in the case of your life and what you described in your memoir. Yet when you got it, I sensed the empowerment and the shift and your emotion even to, to have peace. You didn't seem to have a lot of peace in other parts of the book until the conclusion where, where it's like, you got it. You really took yourself seriously. Right. Yes. And since that point in time, you know, life has been very different, you know, than the people in my life they are sincere and authentic and they appreciate me and I appreciate them. And I, I spend as little time as possible in situations where I have to be around, um, people who are in denial okay. <laughs> or in denial cannot about who they are. You know, okay. they're, they're living by some script or some, uh, prescription of, how life should be, you know, the old cliche of keeping up with the Joneses or, you know, the American dream and the pursuit of material things and looking, keeping up with appearances and and whatnot. And I don't have time for it anymore. And, um, yeah, life is too short and 
I, it was hard one for me to uh, strive toward that and and actually have it. You know, it, there's no going back for me anymore. I, it's too uncomfortable to be in situations or around people who are um, they're just not real. So you've decided what's important to you and and you're living authentically in that way and letting that define your path and who will, who you'll have in your life, who you won't, that you're really holding your values close to your heart. Yes. With a ferocity that I did not have before. I I believe that that germ, you know, that little seedling was always there inside of me. That was what I was striving toward. But, uh, there were, you know, habits and behavior patterns and things that I needed resolved some way inside of me, you know, rooted in my childhood and the sense of alienation and this dysfunctional family. And, you know, so these patterns that just got repeated and built up over time. And I mean, people do what they know how to do and they do what they remember until, there's that intellectual argument that we cannot ignore anymore accompanied by the pain of having lived that way that allows us to break free and create something new. So that's that powerful combination of um, the mental and the emotional working in alignment together Yes. to move forward. Yes. Well said. How can listeners find you, Jane, and, and order your book, Broken Hole, your memoir? My book is available on Amazon, both um, in an ebook version, and you can also buy it paper, uh, paperback. And my website has links to IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and that is Jane Bins Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jane. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. You are welcome. Enjoy your afternoon in Colorado. You as well in L.A. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. That concludes my show today with author Jane Benz on her memoir called Broken Hole. I am so excited to be back with you live. Hello, hello. I'm waving at the camera. Join me next week at the same time as I bring you another guest and episode. All of my love. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 